love you today and we thank you so much for who you are we thank you God for allowing us to be here today God I thank you for each one of us here I thank you for everyone that is watching online and, and will watch Lord we just uh, we just considered an honor and a privilege Lord to worship you Lord and help us Lord as today as we do that uh, help us to love you more help us to serve you more help us to just live for you the way that you would have us to in Jesus name I pray amen 
Father, to you are. 
may be seated this morning. All right, good morning again. Welcome to the Lord's house. If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. If we work our way through the book of Hebrews on Sunday, Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to take the same chapter as last week. Last week we read all the verses 1 through 13. Today we're going to read uh, beginning when verse 8. I know your outline says 1 through 13, but we'll read just beginning with verse 8. And this is uh, almost all of it is a quote out of Jeremiah chapter 31 that the Hebrew pastor will use and, and preach on in that day and what we're going to use and preach on today. Hebrews 8 beginning with verse 8 and again a quote from the book of Jeremiah. Last week we concentrated on the law being written on our heart. I'll mention that this, this morning but also move on to uh, verse 11 where uh, Jeremiah, God speaking, would say that he wants us to know him. So let's read. Because uh, finding fault with them, he says, here begins the quote, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And here's what we concentrated on last week. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their heart. And I will be their God and they, will, they shall be my people. None of them will teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. And I want to concentrate on that to, today. Uh, know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is, is ready, to, ready to vanish away. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. You'd like to use it. A lot of it will be on the screen. Just touching on last week a little bit, that first part of your outline to go from trying to obey the godly law that is written down, the Old Testament law, to go from that, because that's what we've been talking about, going from the Old Testament law to the New Testament grace written on our heart, to, uh, to go from trying to obey the godly law that is written down on paper to trying to obey the godly law that is written on your heart. It's a big change, a big difference between just, you know, written on, written on paper, written on your heart. And last week we talked about that a lot, the Holy Spirit living in us, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit speaking to us. But now, so that was primarily last week. I want to concentrate on verse 11 where he's, he wants and, and says during that time, during this time, you'll know me, to know him, to know God in a personal way. So the next part of your outline to go from knowing things about Jesus to knowing him personally is a huge change in uh, relationship and spiritual life just we're just going to leave that there a second to go from knowing things about Jesus a lot of us know a lot about about Jesus we've been taught most of the people in the area we live in you know they've heard the name they know a little bit about him they know things about him uh, 
But isn't there a lot of difference between knowing things about him and knowing him personally? And when Jeremiah spoke, when that Hebrew pastor spoke, they're talking to pe people about this very thing, and I'm talking to you about this very thing, about learning to get to know him in a uh, personal way. I want to use an analogy, if you're looking at your outline too, kind of this is not the point and not the topic, but it's the same thing in another way. When most of us started attending church, we came to get Almost everybody does, and that's fine. I mean, we, 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 ex we expect that. Most of us, when we, when we start attending church, we came to get. But a huge change takes place in our spiritual life when we start attending church in order to give. Now, that's not the point of the message today, but this is an analogy. This is an example of how this works, and we actually receive so much more. See, there's a huge change in this analogy and using this, the huge change in people who come to church, and I've seen this over the years. I've, I've seen this take place in you uh, when you no longer come just to get, but you come to give. Now, if you gave me a piece of paper and said, okay, write that out and, and show me what it looks like, that'd be really hard for me to do. And I don't really know how we know how we know, but it's just being able to look at people and talk to them and, and almost be able to read them and say, that person's going through a change. That, that person is changing. That person is growing. Uh, because a big part of growth is where we're not, it's not all about getting. It's not all about what I can get, you know, what I can receive, but when we start coming to give to give out. Uh, it's a huge change. Well, there's a huge change also in this. Uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. There's a huge change in knowing things about Jesus and knowing him. And that's what we want to talk about. Probably the best scriptures that I'm aware of about knowing him. Okay is in Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 10. Paul writes, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. I just went through this huge change. Yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. We were going to chapter uh, uh, and be found in him. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble re reading the screen. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Here it is, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his, of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, we're going to move, not right now, but we'll move on a little bit and look at verses, verse 11 and 12. But there's the phrase right there, that I may, that I may know him. It's not that Paul said, I, I want to know more about him. Well, that's, that's good, and that might lead you to being able to know him more. But just this whole idea of we worship him, we get to, we're, we're doing things for him, we're, 
everything we do is surrounding and because of the fact that we know him. This personal relationship with Jesus. Um, to give you an example, kind of just one thing, one way that it, that it looks like, and we're going to m- move on. And this is the question where we start changing what we say and changing how we say it and what we ask for. Here it is. This is one example. There's just, again, I want to repeat what I said last week. The struggle here is not what to say, it's what not to say. Because there's so much to say, I've just got to pick out, you know, okay, let me deal with that, or let me deal with that, because there's no way I could deal with all of it when it comes to what's it mean to know Jesus. Here's one way you can tell one thing that starts to happen in our life. Before this spiritual change, the person that just maybe is interested in knowing some things about Jesus, but they really don't know him. You can tell by the questions that they ask. And they're going to ask, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with what I'm doing? What's wrong with what I'm saying? What's wrong with how I'm acting? What's wrong with how I'm thinking? What's wrong with what I'm watching? What's wrong with what I'm, with what I'm lis- listening to? On and on. You know, what's wrong with it? Uh, over and over, they'll come to me. Show me in the Bible what's wrong with it. And the, the go-to story of the teenager that came to me, Pastor, show me in the Bible where cussing is wrong. And so he didn't think I could. You know, the only reason he came to me to show him where where cussing is wrong because he didn't think I could do it. Uh, the fact is, in the Greek, cussing is not there. All right, there's other, but there's other, there's other words for it. So I did show him. Is that? Oh, all right. You know, why did he come to me, uh, want me to show him why cussing is wrong? Because, well, he wants to cuss for one thing, and uh, he wants to feel like it's okay. So it's what's wrong with it. That's the question. What's wrong with it? And he wants me. He wants me to take the written law. And show him why it's wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Because there's a lot of things that we do that the written law says this is wrong. But, you know, there's a whole host of things. And we, a lot of times in small groups and, and places like that, we, you know, we talk. And, th- and that is an appropriate place where we kind of kick things around and, and talk things around. And, you know, is this thing in our culture wrong? Is, is this, should we be doing that? Should we be participating in that? Should we go to those places? And then, you know, they, and rightly so, we often say, well, do, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say anything about it? So, but it's that, it's that where we just get hung up on what's wrong with it. And one of the problems with, with always doing that, just kind of like that's where you live, what's wrong with it is because really what you're saying is how far away can I get and still be okay? How far away can I get and still be okay? See, you know things about Jesus, but I'm not sure that you know him yet. Okay, maybe, and I'm not the judge. 
that's your, you know, I'm, I just stopped myself real short there because I'm not the judge, but I, I do judge spiritual character. That's my job. That's what I watch for. That's my job to help people spiritually. And so there's, you know, there's a flag goes up, there's a light goes off in my head when, when it's constantly, when I'm talking to someone and it's constantly, well, show me where it's wrong. Show, because what they're wanting to do is see how far away they can get. You see? Well, that's not what knowing Jesus is. In fact, Paul said, I've given up all things. I've, I've just counted everything as loss. So that I might win. Well, do you have to do that? No. But he wanted to do that. Does the Bible say you have? No. It, it isn't about the Bible says you have to do that. Paul said, that, but this is, what, this is what I'm doing. Paul said, this is what I'm doing. I'm just counting everything, all that stuff, all that stuff. And all those things in my past and all those things that I thought I had to do and those things that I thought I had to have and, and on and on and on. And it, with each of us, it's going to be different. And Paul said, I, I gave up all that so that I could win, that I might know him. You catch that verse? That I might know him. And a lot of these things were preventing me from really knowing him. It wasn't stopping Paul from knowing more about him, but it was stopping Paul from knowing him. So you may be that person this morning that needs to, that needs to start making some more spiritual steps. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. That's not my job. That's not what I, you know, that's not, that's between you and Jesus. But let me say, let me just go ahead and say this right here. I was going to do it later if I remembered. It's not always, am I a Christian or not? The question is, what kind of Christian am I? It's not always, am I a Christian? Even though that's a legitimate question to ask, am I even a Christian? But for a lot of us, for me, see, I'm way past that. I've been a Christian for years. I'm, I'm way past that. A lot of people in the room, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're past that. Now the question is, but what kind of Christian am I? And some of us are still stuck in that spot where we're, all, we're trying to see how far away we can stay and still be good, you know, still be right. What's wrong with it? Well, you know, if, if that's not the question, well, if you're looking at your hard copy, you already know what the next question is. And those of us who, who were on our way, we're trying, we want to know him better after the spiritual change or kind of along the way. But as the change is taking place, the question starts to be, it's not so much what's wrong with it, now the question changes to what's right with it. How close can I get? It's isn't about how far away can I get? How, how much sin can I commit? <laughs> how much sin can I be involved in and still be, okay, still be okay with God? You need to change the question. The question needs to be, but... What's right with it? Here it is. Uh, time and again, I promise you this. Those of you who are in Christ and you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're changing, you're going to start feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit about things, and, and maybe that's not the right word. It, often it is the right word. You're going to start feeling guided by the Holy Spirit about things that are not sin, but it's not what God would have you do. 
And here's what's going to, going to happen. Friends of yours, folks in your family, yeah, I want you to watch this. Friends of yours who are close to you, folks in your family, folks in your own church are going to start asking you, why are you doing that? Why do you feel like you have to do that? The Bible doesn't say you have to do that. Why are you going that extra mile? Why are you taking that extra step? Why are you praying that much? The Bible doesn't say you have to pray that much. Why are you in the Word that much? The Bible doesn't say you have to do that. Why are you going to church so much? The Bible doesn't say you have to do that. The Bible doesn't say you have to go to church to be a Christian. It certainly does not. Why am I here? Because I want to be here. That's why I'm here. Because I want to be here. This is not about being saved. This is about because I'm saved. This is not about trying to get God's attention. This is God's got my attention. And this is about what I want to do. Who I am. Who he's changing me to be. What's right with it? That's the question. What's right with it? Well, the Bible says you could go ahead and do that stuff. You could, you could go ahead and watch that. The Bible doesn't say that's wrong. I know, but is it right? Is it right? The written law may not say it's wrong. The written law may not say you have to do it. But Jeremiah said, there's coming a day when we're no longer going to be bound by the written law. Now, some people would say, oh, wow, we got this huge weight. It's going to be so easy now that we don't have to go by the written law. No, you misunderstand and you, miss, you underestimate the power of the law written on the heart. It doesn't get easier, so to speak. It gets harder, I promise you. It's not now, it, now it's, I mean, he's getting down to where I, some of you do stuff, I don't know how you get away with it. <laughs> God doesn't let me do that stuff. It's not fair. But you'll look at your friends and say the same thing. And you'll look at those in your, in your household and say the same thing. I don't understand why they get to do it and I don't. Because we're all growing at a different... Everybody, everybody. There is not two people in this room who are at the same place spiritually. Okay, we're all growing at, at different rates. And, and, and uh, husbands and wives especially, watch this. Save your marriage because husbands and wives do not grow spiritually at the same rate. Okay, and then one will outpace the other one and, and then fights will start in. Okay, we don't grow at the same spiritual rate. And some, as you grow, some are going to look at you and say, you don't have to do that. And you say, no, I don't have to do that. I want to do that. I want to. God has changed my want to. So it's no longer, well, you know, uh, what's wrong with it? No, it isn't about that now. There's this huge spiritual shift. But what's right with it? I know the Bible doesn't say I have to do it. I know the Bible doesn't say that I can't be involved in it, but I, I you know, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. The Holy Spirit has written this law on my heart. And it's, it's not the written law anymore. It's this law on my heart. You know what Jesus said? And we're going to move on. I, we're going to look at the scriptures that are, that are printed at the bottom. And it's all going to be about this. Uh, Jesus said that uh, some, somebody asked him about the written law. And he said, you know what? 
There are two main points in the written law. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it. It's not exactly the same thing, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. All the law hangs on those two things. If you'll just love. If you'll just love. So let's look at the scriptures in uh, John chapter 14, verse 15. You can't get much simpler than that. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. And you know, I could put it, put it another way. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will do what I ask. And it won't be, oh, do I have to? It, it won't be that. It'll be, I want to. Why? Because you love him. Because you know him. See, you're, you've, you're past knowing about him, but you know him and you love him, okay? When you do that, people don't have to tell you what to do. People don't have to shove the Bible down your throat. You've already got the Bible down your throat. It's written on the law of your heart. The Holy Spirit is leading you, guiding. You don't need your pastor to, to browbeat you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He'll take care of that. Let him do that. Okay, John 14, 15. Now, let's finish up the two verses out of Philippians 3 that I didn't read. We stopped at verse 10. Man, I, I, I love verse 12 especially. But continuing on, Paul's, you know, Paul said that verse, the famous verse, that I may know him. I just want to know him. That if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, here, here it is, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ, Jesus, has also laid hold of me. You see that? That last part. That I may lay hold of. What? That I may grasp. That I may lay hold of. That I may grasp that for which Christ Jesus has also previously already laid hold of me, grasp me. I want you to know that verse. I'm trying to lay hold of Jesus. Why? Because he's already laid hold of me. I'm trying to grasp. I want to know him. Why? Because he knows me. I'm striving for, I'm trying for, I'm working for, I'm trying to lay hold of, of, of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he laid hold of me. Paul puts it another way. It, it is, the love of Christ constrains me. I like the way Paul put that. The, 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 the love of Christ constrains me. It's like he's got his hand gripped on my heart. That, literally what that means. The love of Christ constrains me. He has grasped. He's got a hold of my heart. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm doing it. Because I want to. Why? Because he's laid hold of me. How could I 
do any different because of what Jesus has done for me. I, I cannot stand the indifference that I see in pe people's lives. It's like, do you see what Jesus has done for you? Do you see what he has paid for you? Do you see Jesus hanging on the cross for you? How can you be so indifferent because of what he's done for you and continues to do? He just simply grabbed hold of my heart and, con and constrained me, and that's why I'm doing what I do. The last verse is uh, 1 John 4.19. Simply put, we love him because he first loved us. That's why. That's why. We love him because he first loved us. What I recommend, if you want to make, now, you can continue, you sure can, you can continue to come to coming to church and it's just all about you and what you can get. That's fine if that's what you want. And you can continue it all being about, well, I'm, I just want to see how far away I can get. I want to see what I can get away with. That's fine if that's what you want. If that's what you want. But if you're ready to grow, if you're ready to make that complete change and become a, become a Christian just entirely different from what you have seen, it's going to begin with knowing him. It's going to begin with loving him. It's not going to be about the law, the written law. It's not going to be about people trying to talk you into doing the right thing. It's going to be about loving him. Well, how do I do that? You've got to concentrate. Here it is. It's as simple as this. You've got to concentrate on how much he loves you. I want you to picture, for instance, I, I do this some. Um, is picture Jesus hanging on the cross for you. But do it this way. That's God hanging on the cross. That's not, you know, there were two other thieves crucified with Jesus. They, they suffered like he did. But they're thieves. And they did it because, as the scripture plainly tells us, they did it because of their own sin. They deserve to be there. But God's hanging in the middle does not deserve to be there because of his sinlessness, and he's God. And he doesn't have to take it. He doesn't have to take it. He's God. Jesus told Pilate, I laid my life down. I can raise it up again. I laid my life down. I'm not doing this, Pilate, because of you necessarily. I'm not doing it because you say I have to do it. I'm doing it for the sin of the world, for each of us. What I'm saying is just a simple exercise of picturing God hanging on a cross for you. And then just over and over to pray and to meditate and to study and to just absorb and what God has done for you. What Jesus, the price that he paid for you. And let that get into your heart. Let, let God change your heart. Let God change your heart to soften your heart, what, what God has done for you, for you. I'm trying to reach people this morning who are ready to make that shift, to move from uh, do I have to to, wow, I really want to. I really want to because of what Jesus has done for, for me. I'm going to ask the musicians to come on up. We're going to have our prayer time right now. And uh, it's just as simple as that. It's our, 
it's our prayer time. We spend some time. We have altars here, and people can do that. They can kneel at an altar. They, some people can, you can stand if you want to. Uh, we have seats here, and you can sit if you, if you want to. Uh, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to bow your head with me. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to deal with our heart, that written law on the heart. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And, I, and there's no way for me to know what's happening with you right now, this week, right now. And I don't know the pressure you're under. I don't know the stress that you have. I don't know, I don't know the sin that you have. I don't know where you're at. But right now the Holy Spirit does. He sees every nook and cranny of us. And there's nothing about you right now that he can't see or feel or touch or heal. If you need to come to an altar and pray about anything, we've covered a lot of different things. You may, may need to come and pray for yourself. You may need to come and pray for someone else. Or just for some reason, you just, maybe you, I've come and prayed before when I didn't even know why. I just felt this overwhelming sense that I need to come to an altar and pray. You may need to come and say, Jesus, I just want to tell you that I love you because of how much you love me. Because of what you've done for me, I simply want to tell you that I love you. I'm not trying to pay you back. I'm not trying to, trying to earn it. I just want to take this time right now, this opportunity to pray and come and tell you that I love you because of how much you love me. There may be some Christians who just want to do that. You may not need to do that. You want to do that. I just want to tell you, Lord, that I love you because of how much you love me. Whatever the need is, whatever the want is, the Holy Spirit leads you to come and pray. We invite you to come. my rescue when 
This world has nothing for 